Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for how you have blessed us once again and made us to be among the living. May all praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name now and forevermore. Lord in heaven, we commit ourselves to you now. We pray, Lord, that you receive our lives to yourself and consecrate it to your service. Speak to us this morning through this devotion. Grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Give us power to live up to all that we would learn. And put your words in our mouth that we may speak blessings to all who listen to us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, March 17. In self-distrust, we cry to God. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 32 verse 5 David often triumphed in God, and yet he dwelt much upon his own unworthiness and sinfulness. His conscience was not asleep or dead. My sin, he cried, is ever before me. Psalm 51 verse 3 He did not flatter himself that sin was a matter with which he had nothing to do, and that should not concern him. As he saw the depths of deceit in his heart, he prayed that God would cleanse him from secret faults. It is not safe for us to close our eyes and harden our consciences that we shall not see or realize our sins. The humble heart will not think confession beneath him. He will not feel it a disgrace to confess if he has in any way, even in thought, hurt his brother or hindered God's work through him. Sins not repented of are sins not forgiven. Those who think themselves forgiven for sins of which they have never felt the sinfulness and over which they have never felt contrition of soul only deceive themselves. Our strength lies in our conscious weakness. In self-distrust, we cry to God for help and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Casting away all confidence in the arm of flesh, we cling with firm grasp to Jesus. Heaven will never be reached by an easy-going people merely professing to be Christians. God calls for thorough work on the part of every one of his followers. By resolute self-denial, by constant watchfulness, by earnest prayer, by the diligent use of every means of grace, and by the help of Jesus Christ our Redeemer, we shall come off victorious. The rest in heaven is for the weary, the crown for the brows of the warriors. Amen. The title of our devotion is In Self-Distrust, the Cry to God. Our key text is taken from the book of Psalm, chapter 32, verse 5, which 
reads, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. I would like to connect this devotion to that which we had yesterday. Yesterday was indeed a solemn, solemn devotion. And if you didn't have the opportunity to listen to the podcast yesterday, which is titled The Cause of All Our Woes, I would implore you and urge you to listen to it. Yesterday we saw that the cause of all our woes is sin. Solemn truths were brought out that only few of us would even find the way to life. And even among those few who would find the way to life, Jesus said that only few out of them would be able to enter in. What a solemn thought that among us, even those who are listening now, those who have found the way, who are seeking and searching, and those who have found that because of the cords of sin, many of us will be held back. Though we know the way, we will be held back and may not be able to enter in. Today, the, the devotion is trying to help us out, to make us to understand something that can help us to break the cords of sin from our lives. We're made to understand that the cords of sin will hold us even when we find a way to life. And the Bible made us understand that clearly. But then, there's still hope. We have seen in the word of God people like Rahab and Manasseh. And today even, we look at the life of David. He also had the cords of sin trying to hold him. But we would look at the way that David was able to break off from the cords of sin. He said that he acknowledged his sin and his iniquity, he didn't hide it. And now he said, Psalm 32 verse 5, I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. If there is one thing that would help us, it is this work of confession of sin. But beyond confession, there is a secret to power, a secret for us to receive strength from God. We are told in the book of John 1 verse 12, which we often quote, that says, as, as many as received Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It is this power that we need. But in order to have this strength and power, there is something that we must do, and that is, we must have a conscience that is very very sensitive it is not a mark of godliness for one to feel that he has no sins to confess at best the reason we may not have sins to confess is that our conscience is so hard and so dead that we do not see sin for what it is we do not see the exceeding sinfulness of sin there are things that someone who is close to god who has drawn near to him will do and confess that those who are far will feel no need to confess. The nearer we come to Christ, the more we see of our sinfulness and the more, more humiliated we will be. The more lowly we will be and more meek we will be because we will see the sharp contrast between our lives and that of Christ. 
There are thoughts of our hearts we feel we need to confess them. The sins that we have caused others to commit. The fact is that I cannot just start naming everything specifically, but there's something that happens to the heart and the soul that draws near to God, and that is that sin appears to them for what it is. It appears exceeding sinful. Some things that you might have glossed over before and not felt the need to confess, not felt that they were sins, you would begin to understand how deeply sinful these things are. Maybe I should just give some specific examples. I may say to someone that to look at the headline of football and feel pleasure, not just watching football now, just that you feel pleasure that one team defeated another team, that that is a sin. But you will not understand what I mean if you are not close to God because you won't feel the sinfulness of such things. You think that it is just innocent. I may say to one another that to cherish a thought of strife, that is, let me not call it strife, but a desire to better someone else, competition, is a sin. But you won't understand what I mean if you are not coming and drawing nearer to God. And I may say to another that there are certain words that you use, certain comments and phrases that, I, that you use in your statements, that it is a sin, but you wouldn't understand because you are not drawing nearer to God. Just a look that you give, or even the laughter to a, to a joke, when you tell people that a joke is a sin, and we even quote Bible passages like Ephesians 5 verse uh, 3 and 4, some do not feel the sinfulness of these things, and since we don't feel the sinfulness, you don't confess them. How many times have you gone on your knees to ask God to forgive you for joking? To forgive you for laughing at something you shouldn't have laughed at. To forgive you for being unthankful. For, to forgive you for cherishing thoughts of competition in your mind. You see, these are things that would only appear sinful to one who is drawing nearer and nearer to God. And because you keep drawing nearer to God, sin continues to appear exceeding sinful in your eyes. And the mark of your drawing nearer to God is that you are always confessing. Deeper confessions are made. It is not just about fornication. It is not just about adultery. It is not just about telling lies. We are talking of deeper things here. Your eyes will be opened to see sin for what it really is. Your irreverence towards God will appear for what it really is. Your lack of love, your unthankfulness will become so sinful to you that you will feel as bad as someone who killed someone else. You will feel as bad as someone who fornicated or who even did abortion just because you realize in yourself that you are cherishing some evil that someone else may feel that this is just a little matter. Sin is never a little matter. When you draw nearer to God, you will realize that that thing you call little that pride, that envy, that jealousy. When was the last time you confessed pride? When was the last time you confessed envy and jealousy? David looked at his life and if you look at David's life, you will not find it hard to see that there were some things in him that he realized he had secret faults. For example, he was marrying more than one wife. 
if he he searched himself and realized that there was something deeply sinful in him that was making him do these things of course after the case of absalom taking the throne from him and he getting the throne back the bible tells us that david put away all these wives and never went into them again never he repented of those things david searched his heart and that is the life of someone who is drawing near to God. There will always be this, there will always be this deep heart searching. You will always be checking yourself. It says here, the humble heart will not think confession beneath him. He will not feel it a disgrace to confess if he has in any way, even in thought, hurt his brother or hindered God's work through him. In the first paragraph of devotion, we read that David did not flatter himself that sin was a matter with which he had nothing to do and that should not concern him. As he saw the depths of deceit in his heart, he prayed that God would cleanse him from secret faults. It is not safe for us to close our eyes and harden our consciences that we shall not see or realize our sins. Many times we talk about some things here that are sins. It is not safe for you, for me, to close our eyes so that we do not see or realize these things for what they really are. I have talked several times about the comparisons made between sins. One will look at himself, you have pride in you and envy and jealousy, but you rate yourself as better than somebody who is an adulterer and therefore you don't go on your knees to say, Lord, forgive me for being envious, forgive me for cherishing bitterness and jealousy in my heart over my brother, forgive me for being covetous. Who talks about forgive me for covetousness? Whereas this covetousness is inside almost everybody. But who confesses it? Why is it that we don't confess it? Is it because our eyes have been closed to see the sinfulness of sin in our lives? And therefore, we do not feel that these things are what they would read. Our, our consciences are hard towards these things. But God would have us understand that sin is what it is. It is exceeding sinful. If only you would open your eyes, you would understand some of these things we mentioned about, for example, dress, and even sports, and watching of movies, and even just going to YouTube. For you to click on something you shouldn't have clicked on, you should feel terrible about it. You should ask yourself, why did I waste God's money and the data that I have in looking at something I shouldn't have looked at? Do you feel that you have committed a sin in doing that, in wasting your money and time? and dwelling and deriving pleasure from things you shouldn't have derived pleasure from. Of course, if your heart is hardened, if your conscience is seared, you will not be able to understand what I'm talking about. You will see it as a light thing. You wouldn't go on your knees to confess it. But God wants us to understand that the only reason we may not be saved is because our consciences are hard. And when the Lord is trying to convince us of the secret sins in our lives, we say, no, I have not sinned. And we feel no need to confess. And of course, if you feel no need to confess something, how would you feel need to repent of it? And if you do not repent, how can you get forgiveness? That was something we read here in the devotion that says, Sins not repented of our sins not forgiven. And I would say, Sins not confessed are sins that, not, that, we are not, that we don't repent of. And of course, if we don't repent of them, we do not get forgiveness for them. Those who think themselves forgiven for sins of which they have never felt the sinfulness and over which they have never felt contrition of soul, only deceive themselves. Now, let us talk about where we get power from. The next comment 
listen carefully this is where your strength is our strength lies in our conscious weakness i'll tell you something i find about myself the moment i stop feeling weak that is when i get defeated by satan i've realized that our strength is indeed in our weakness when we understand every time that we are weak i tell you see only when we depend on god constantly can we get strength we must have this living connection vital connection with heaven always praying without ceasing that is the only way we are safe from satan's temptations but guess what you cannot have this vital connection with heaven when you do not see your weakness the moment you feel strong you will not feel the need for prayer i'm not saying feel strong in the lord now i mean the moment you feel strong in yourself not strong in the lord we can actually feel strong in the lord the moment we feel strong in and of ourselves we cease to pray we cease to depend on god and therefore we do not have strength anymore the only way we flee to the lord for help is when we continue feeling our weakness i'll read from ministry of healing page 455 it says man's great danger is in being self-deceived in indulging self-sufficiency and thus separating from god the source of his strength did you get that the first problem is self-deception and indulging self-sufficiency it is this that makes us then separate from god the source of our strength so our greatest problem is not just separating from god yes but something causes us to separate from god and that thing is called self-sufficiency when we do not feel weak anymore i'll continue the reading now it says our natural tendencies unless corrected by the holy spirit of god have in them the seeds of moral death unless we become vitally connected with god we cannot resist the unhallowed effects of self-indulgence self-love and temptations to sin in order to receive help from christ that is strength from christ we must realize our need we must have a true knowledge of ourselves it is only he who knows himself to be a sinner that christ can save only as we see our utter helplessness and renounce all self-trust shall we lay hold on divine power it is not only at the beginning of the christian life that this renunciation of self is to be made at every advanced step heavenward it is to be renewed all our good works are dependent on the power outside of ourselves therefore there needs to be a continual reaching out of the heart after god a constant earnest confession of sin and humbling of the soul before him perils surround us and we are safe only as we feel our weakness and cling with the grasp of faith to our mighty deliverer amen that was ministry of healing page 455 you see there that the truth is laid out to us and i understand it clearly the moment you stop feeling weakness your weakness you lose it you lose the vital connection you don't see your need for strength and that's why you wouldn't see your needs to confess 
Because the moment you are connected with God, you will continue to see your exceeding sinfulness. The the nearer you draw to God, the more sinful you appear to yourself. And the more sinful you appear to yourself, the more need you see of deeper and deeper confession. Ever heard of deeper confession? Yeah, there's deeper confession. You may confess a sin before. And then the thing may appear more sinful to you tomorrow. That same sin you confessed some days ago or some months ago, you confess it again, not because you feel you are not forgiven, but because the sin appears more deeply sinful than it appeared to you before, therefore you see your need to confess that same sin again. Not because you don't trust that you were forgiven, don't get me wrong, you should believe you were forgiven the first time you confessed. But as you draw nearer to God, God begins to explain to you more and more of how deeply sinful this thing are and you keep saying, oh Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me my sins. That is what we do when we have deeper confession deeper confession will not come except there is a deeper realization of the sinfulness of sin and a deeper realization of the sinfulness of sin will not come except we draw nearer and nearer to God and we will not draw nearer to God except we constantly feel our weakness the moment we feel we are strong we will leave God we will not draw near to him anymore so my brothers and sisters where lies your strength your strength lies in you constantly understanding and feeling your weakness my brothers and sisters that is the secret to strength always feel your weakness because all our good works are dependent on the power outside of ourselves that is why there needs to be a continual reaching out of our hearts towards god a constant earnest confession of sin and humbling of the soul it is only when you see your utter helplessness your utter weakness that you will renounce trusting yourself and then you lay hold on divine power. When you see that you are weak, then you stop de- stop de- depending on yourself and you start depending on God. I pray that God will help us to always feel this weakness. Always, not sometimes, always. Constantly understand our weakness so that we don't leave the side of Christ, so that we constantly abide in Him and He in us, so that we can receive strength like David. Strength to overcome. Strength so that we can continue to confess and draw nearer to God. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'll read from the sixth paragraph. It says, Heaven will never be reached by an easy-going people merely professing to be Christians. God calls for thorough work on the path of every one of his followers. Everybody, you know everybody wants to go to heaven. Oh yes, indeed. It's a land of pure delight. No sorrow, no weeping, no pain, no death. Even when Balaam, the rogue prophet, saw heaven in vision, he said, Let me die the death of the righteous. It's a glorious rest. But the reading is saying that we have a thorough work to do. What is this work? First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, it says, Go walk today in my vineyard. A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, 
I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Then Jesus asked the question, Whither of the twain did the will of his father? They said unto him, The first. In the Sermon of the Mount, Christ said, Not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 7 verse 21. You see, the test of sincerity is not in words, but in deeds. Words are of no value unless they are accomplished with appropriate deeds. This is the lesson taught in the parable of the two sons. Man cannot be told to heaven. He cannot go as a passive passenger. He must himself use the oars and walk as a laborer together with God. If you think you can lay down the oars and still make your way upstream, you are mistaken. It is only by earnest effort, by using the oars with all your might, that you can stem the current. How many there are as weak as water when they have a never-failing source of strength. Heaven is ready to impart to us that we may be mighty in God and attain the full stature of men and women in Christ Jesus. Both who of you in the past year have been making progress in the way of holiness? She asked. Who have been enabled to gain one precious attainment after another until envy, pride, malice, jealousy, and envy, every evil stain have been swept away and only the graces of the Spirit remain? God will help us if we take hold of the help he has provided let him take hold of my strength he says that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me isaiah 27 verse 5 this is a blessed promise many times when i have been discouraged and almost in despair i have come to the lord with this promise and as i have laid hold of the strength of god I have found a peace which passeth understanding. I just read from 65 manuscript 1 1869. There are two grand forces at work in the salvation of the human soul. It requires the cooperation of man with the divine agencies, divine influences, and a strong living walking faith. It is in this way only that human agents can become a laborer together with God. The Lord does not sanction in any one of his child a blind, stupid credulity. He does not dishonor the human understanding. But far from this, he calls for the human will to be brought into connection with the divine will. He calls for the ingenuity of the human mind, the tact, the skill to be strenuously exercised in searching out the truth as it is in Jesus. Ye are laborers together with God. 
in the parable that we talked about before the parable of the two sons the father represents God the vineyard the church but the two sons are represented two classes of people the son who refused to obey the command saying I will not represented those who were living in open transgression they were living in sin who made no provision of piety they made no profession of it either who openly refused to come under the yoke of restraint and obedience which the law of God imposes but many of these afterwards repented and obeyed the call of God when the gospel came to them in the message of John the Baptist repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand they repented and confessed their sins and the son who said I go sir and went not the character of the Pharisees was revealed like this son the Jewish leaders were impenitent and self-sufficient the religious life of the Jewish nation had become a pretense when the law was proclaimed on Mount Sinai by the voice of God all the people pledged themselves to obey they said I go sir but they went not when Christ came in person to set before them the principles of the law they rejected him Christ had given the Jewish leaders of his day abundant evidence of his authority and divine power but although they were convinced they would not accept the evidence Christ had shown them that they continued to disbelieve because they had not the spirit which leads to obedience he had declared to them you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition in vain do they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men Christ's object lessons 275 and 276 has not God been speaking early and late for years and you have not heard and obeyed his voice with everyone connected with the office the efficiency for good is derived from Christ Jesus the saving power of grace is not guesswork no 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 we are not doing this this is not guesswork it consists in an actual relation between sinful man and his heavenly father between the sinner and his divine advocate every man is in connection with the work of God has his measure of responsibility in himself he can do nothing but God is the vital power and the human agent must walk realizing his personal responsibility and using the oaths God has placed in his hands if we are faithful in doing our part in cooperating with God God will walk through us to do the good pleasure of his will but God cannot walk through us if we make no effort if we gain eternal life we must walk and walk earnestly pamphlet 96 it says again I inquire what are you going to do will you be holy on the Lord's side will you be a converted man remember I do not say you never have been converted but will you now have a new consecration 
Would you die to self? Would you put away every wrong and watch, watch for the stealthy approach of the enemy? Watch the old habits of sin that will steal back upon you and that need to be shaken off again and again. Watch over a careless, unruly tongue. Watch your spirit, lest because you cannot have your own way, you become desperate, reckless, profane. Watch for opportunities to do good. Be ever learning humility and meekness at the feet of Jesus. Oh, when will every child of God learn to unite with Jesus and not depend upon frail, erring men and expect to be towed along to heaven by their faith and zeal? Genuine conversion unites the soul in clinging faith to the one helper, Jesus Christ. Make no halfway efforts to fall back worse than before, but oh, make thorough work begin in your neglected family i pray this your experience as we begin to make effort using all the agencies of grace that christ had afforded us amen today's devotion says in self-distrust we cry to god self-distrust this word self-distrust it's the opposite of self-confidence because self-confidence is trusting in one's ability but rather than having self-distrust all over everywhere in this world we've been taught to have self-confidence to be confident in ourselves i read some bible passages with some quotes first from jeremiah 17 verse 5 it reads thus saith the lord Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Then from the book Ministry of Healing, page 486, paragraph 7, it says, We are prone to look to our fellow men for sympathy and uplifting, instead of looking to Jesus. In his mercy and faithfulness, God often permits those in whom we place confidence to fail us in order that we may learn the folly of trusting in man and making flesh our arm. Let us trust fully, humbling, selfishly in God, unselfishly in God. He knows the sorrows that we feel to the depths of our being but which we cannot express. When all things seem dark and unexplainable, remember the words of Christ. What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. But from the, from the quote and from the Bible passage, we see that we ought not to trust in ourselves. In fact, trusting trust ourselves has made us not even realize our own weakness, realize our own sin. It has made us self-righteous. But we see from the example of David as we read in today's devotion, no matter how he triumphed, in triumphing God and his unworthiness and sinfulness was always on his mind. That is why he was able to cry in Psalm 51 verse 3 which says, My sin is ever before me. If we always have distrust on ourselves, if we always, if we always are conscious that we cannot trust in ourselves, 
then it always brings our mind to God. It always makes us remember that even though we are weak, even though in us we have no good, there is one who can help us, which is Christ. And that's why in the same Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 answers the same question. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. From here, we can clearly see it is only God who knows us. Because indeed, the heart of man is deceitful. So we think we know ourselves. But the Bible passage here tells us, God tells us that we do not know ourselves. Only God knows us. And since he is the one who knows us, then we are always to put our trust in him and to distrust ourselves. Because if we at any time have self-confidence, then it will close our eyes. And according to today's devotion, it is not safe for us to close our eyes and harden our consciences that we shall not realize that we shall not see or realize our sins. The only way we will not see or realize our sins is when we are self-confident, when we've trusted in our own abilities, in our own qualities, in our own judgments. We feel there's nothing more. We feel since we trust in it, that's why today we are taught to say we can do it. I can do it. Not in Christ, but ourselves. And when we do that, we do not even see any weakness in us. We do not even see any help that we may need. And because we have been taught to be self-confident, we do not realize if, even whether we have sins in ourselves. But today we are being told, in reality, we should, have, we should not have self-confidence. Confidence, rather. So next time we are told, have self-confidence. Whoever says, you tell the person, it is a sin to have self-confidence. Because the moment we have self-confidence, in other words, we are trusting in our abilities. God's word is directly against our trusting in our own abilities. That is why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if God doesn't strengthen us, we cannot do it. So our hope is in God to see if he will help us in everything. So having self-distrust is not limited to to just the, the word of God. The word of God directs everything in our lives. So even in our own skill, in our own job we do, if we do not, if we do not have self-distrust, then we are going against the will of God. So at all times, we have to put our confidence in God and He will be the one to help us. Remember, we do not realize sin only by when uh, trials come, by when temptation comes. We also realize our sins even in the simple things of life. When we realize that, we can't do anything. So when we first of all understand that in these secular things in our business we cannot do anything of our own, then it makes it easy for us to understand that even in righteousness we cannot be righteous by our own selves, but it is God who helps us to be righteous. So it is our prayer that at every moment we acknowledge our sinfulness and ask God to forgive us for our, our sins. We should not flatter ourselves and make us feel that we are, we are so uh so skilled so confident that we can do everything without christ we cannot do anything without him so, so i pray god helps us to always be in self-distrust so we will not forget the purpose and the reasons why we are here to serve god amen in the company before christ when he gave them the parable there were scribes and 
Pharisees and priests and rulers. And after giving the parable of the two sons, Christ addressed his address to the hearers. The question was whether of them twin did the will of his father. Forgetting themselves, the Pharisees answered, They first. This they said without realizing that they were pronouncing sentence against themselves. Then they fell from Christ's lips the denunciation, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the hallowed go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believe him not. But the publicans and the hallowed believed him, and ye, when ye have seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe in him. So we see that the priests and the rulers and the elders of Israel spent their lives in religious ceremonies, which they had regarded as too sacred to be connected with secular business. Therefore, their lives were supposed to be wholly religious, but they performed their ceremonies to be seen by men that they might be thought by the world to be pious and devoted. While professing to obey, they refused to render obedience to God. They were not doers of the truth which they professed to teach. So you see how a classic example is in the life of Mary Magdalene and Simon the leper. So she showed her love for her Savior by deeds. And whilst the profession of Simon the leper only ended when he made the feast. So we must go deeper. And we see the devotion also pointed out that the crowns that we hope to receive are crowns of a warrior's crown. It's a victor's crown. So we must be engaged in a battle and throw off our self-trust and learn to trust Christ. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we come to you this day and we have listened to your word and you have identified to us what our strength is. Father in heaven, we are your children and we want to be with you in your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you will teach us the lesson of self-distrust, you will teach us the lesson of self-renunciation, and you will help us to drop all self-sufficiency. We realize that that's where our problem is and we pray Help us to always see, feel, and understand our weakness. That in our self-distrust and weakness, we may cry to God constantly. Open our eyes, and that as we draw nearer and nearer to you, sin will appear exceeding sinful to us, that we may make deeper confessions to you. We trust that as we do this, you will continue to purify us. Strengthen us, O Lord. Grant us grace. And all who are listening to grant all grace that whatever besetments we may have in our lives whatever cords of sin may be holding anyone bound that we may find strength in our weakness to overcome all sin be with us today the temptations that will come our way today we pray that you will strengthen us and give us grace to be able to identify them for what they are and give us grace to overcome them also help us to be victorious today as we depend on you teach us to always depend on you 
may we not by any means be distracted and turn away from you and stop abiding in Christ. Help us to constantly abide in Christ, to constantly feel our weakness that we may abide in him. Do this and take the glory for us. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen.